Welcome to the Trinity Baptist Church podcast with Senior Pastor Matt Homeyer. For more information about our church and to keep up to date with the latest resources, visit our website at trinitybaptist.org. Enjoy the podcast. Good morning. Corral, it's good to have you back in place. Um, we missed you up there last week, but we're glad y'all made it back safely from New York. We're glad uh, Keith was able to join us and talk some about hymns and worship with us uh, on this special day and this special morning. Let me pray for us as we enter into this preaching moment. God, we're thankful for the sound of children. We're thankful for their families, their presence in our midst, for the gift that they are, the hope of the future of your church. We're thankful for this moment to still our busy minds and our busy hearts and our busy lives and hear a word from you. God, form us and shape us. Let us hear your voice. Sense your spirit in this time. In your name we pray. Amen. We are in uh, our second week of Advent, this season of waiting for and preparing our hearts, our souls, our lives to receive the gift of Jesus here at Christmas in a couple of weeks. Uh, through these four weeks, we're, we're using Jesus's Bible is what uh, I refer to Isaiah as. It's the, the Bible, the, the passage of the book and the Bible, excuse me, that Jesus quoted most often, looking at passages in Isaiah that kind of look forward to the New Testament, that look forward to Jesus and see what Isaiah has to teach us about anticipating Advent, anticipating Jesus. We're going to be in Isaiah 40, which will be on the screen for us in a bit when we get to it. Uh, but if you want to turn, we'll be kind of walking through some of Isaiah 41 through 11 here this morning. But I want to talk about voices. I prepared this without really fully realizing this is the day we will be doing much singing with our voices. Uh, and it was very appropriate all that Keith shared about the power of song. But, you know, songs only come through voice. When you think of meaningful voices in your life, who comes to mind? Have you ever contemplated the power of voice in our world, in your life? Our voice, the voice of our parents, maybe grandparents, voices of teachers, voices of mentors, voices perhaps of pastors, voices of Sunday school teachers, voices that have shaped us in our life. We hear them, we know them, we listen to them, we're, we're formed by them. Voices, voice is integral to how we experience the world, and, and they're nothing. Voices are just air, cleverly manipulated around vocal folds, yet these manipulated airwaves convey meaning. They hold power. I mean, our, our own voices are woven into our personality. They part or really help project who we are to the world. Have you ever heard yourself speak? 
and you hate it? <laughs> and you go, oh my gosh, is that how I sound? Every week I listen to my sermon and go, oh, that poor Trinity Baptist Church, they've got to listen to that squeaky guy up there again this week. Or have you ever heard the recording of someone you loved and you've been away from for a long time, or perhaps they died and you hear their voice? And the sum total of what you feel for them, of who they were, who they are, hits you like a ton of bricks. Voice has power. We are shaped by the voices that cry out to us. And there are so many voices seeking to gain our ear, competing voices, contradictory voices, tricky voices, some voices speaking truth, some voices imparting life, some voices encouraging other voices, so many voices speaking lies. It's critical for us as people, but particularly as people of faith, that among the din of voices clamoring for us to listen to them, God's people learn to hear the voice of our Creator, to hear the voice of our Savior above and beyond all others. In and around our passage today is a clamor of voices. Let us listen to them together this morning and discern together the voice of God and what God may be speaking to us this morning. The voices begin in chapter 40 of Isaiah. Now, in your copy of Scripture, it's in your pew or on your phone, Isaiah 39 rolls very easily into Isaiah 40. You just read one to the other. But in real time, there is a several hundred year gap couple hundred years, between 100 and 200, between the end of 39 and the beginning of 40. 39 ends on this really high note under Hezekiah, where the people kind of turn to God. And 40 begins in exile. It, the high note of 39 did not last. God's people turned away from God yet again, unsurprisingly. God allowed the empire of Babylon to conquer God's people. We talked about exile the last couple of weeks. The Babylonians destroyed the temple and they deposed the king and they took most of God's people that had any economic value to the empire and, and uh, deported them essentially up to Babylon. They forced them from their homes and marched them up the king's highway to a new home in a foreign land. The time and space of exile, of those poor left behind in destroyed Jerusalem, of those put up in government housing in Babylon, the time and space of exile was filled with competing voices in the ears of God's people. The voices were often whispered or choked with tears, wondering how and why God would allow such defeat, how long-suffering would go on, wondering if God had finally, finally abandoned the people to their ways. Voices that question God. Who is God? How dare God? Where is God? There, there were shouted voices, voices of anger at what they perceived to be God's absence while they wasted 
away. There were voices of resignation and capitulation, reasonably suggesting that God had forgotten his people and it was time to become Babylonian. Bow down to Marduk. Marduk has won. Yahweh has lost. It was time to be fully Babylonian. Voices all around grappling with the reality of exile grappling with what they believed about God and and how to serve God in this new foreign place. Voices grappling with suffering. But unbeknownst to the voices on the ground, unbeknownst to the voices of the people, voices sounding in Babylon, other voices were speaking as well. Voices we are privy to in Isaiah 40. Isaiah 40 is a glimpse into the meeting of God and his divine counsel. We see this divine counsel pop up at several times in the Psalms and in Job and in other places in the Old Testament. It's never really fully explained what it is. Some scholars have called this divine counsel represented as the nerve center of the universe. That when God speaks, when God makes big decisions, when God chooses to act, this divine counsel is the depiction of how that works. God is holding court in heaven. And Isaiah is glimpsed a vision of it, glimpsed a seat there and reports to us the minutes of what God and the heavenly voices spoke in this meeting. Voice one, the voice of God. The first voice, God's voice opens the chapter and speaks this word. Remember the gap between 39 and 40, 100 to 200 years of suffering, of defeat, of despair. Despair still on the ground, and God speaks a word, comfort. Comfort, my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. After 70 years of punishment of exile, 70 years of wondering if the promises of God were null and void, 70 years of no king and no temple and no identity, God speaks and the word is not more judgment or more suffering, but comfort. The word is to ease the burden, to show compassion, to encourage. Now, the word doesn't reach the people on the ground in Babylon quite yet. Their whole world has changed, but their daily reality has not quite yet. The people don't even know anything has been said when God speaks, whether we know it or not immediately, everything changes. Israel's punishment is over. Their prison term in exile is coming to an end. They've been paroled back home. Voice two, we see this personified divine counsel. The voice changes. It is not God, but a different voice speaking, discussing how best to impart this good news, how best to lay out this plan of comfort and return to the people. How should God impart this word of comfort? The word delivered is to make a super highway across the desert between Babylon and Jerusalem to return the people. They came up on a very rough and tumble king's highway, but to return them on a divine super highway. In the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make a straight path, no curves. Raise up the valleys, lower the hills, make the grade even, smooth out 
all of the rough ground, transform this rough terrain into a highway TxDOT would be proud of. That's a joke there about I-35. We'll let them go. And the people can return. More than the people's return, God will return with them. The world will see the glory of God revealed. This is heavenly bureaucracy at work. Nothing has changed in Babylon quite yet. The Babylonian king still rules. The people are still without king or temple, but the voice of God has spoken. And when the voice of God speaks, power is unleashed and it will come to pass. Babylon's will for exiles is no match for the divine resolve that speaks comfort to his people. Voice three, very quickly, one other member of the divine council just gets two words in, cry out. Someone's got to tell it. Someone's got to tell this good news, like a command for someone to announce what is his. And then voice four comes in very quickly. Isaiah granted an audience here in the divine council. And Isaiah cries almost in a despairing voice, maybe. What? shall I cry? What am I supposed to say to them? It seems Isaiah has a negative appraisal of the people. Isaiah had experience preaching to the people and the people not responding. Isaiah heard the words in Babylon. They're groaning, they're belly aching, they're whispers and they're shouts. And it doesn't seem like Isaiah thinks their punishment should be over quite yet. He holds out no hope. There's like a flower. They're beautiful flowers. It just wither when it gets hard. What am I supposed to say? All men are like grass, like beautiful flowers in a field, but they wither and fall when the Lord blows on them. God, the word of comfort is good, but the people, they aren't any better than they are before. They're going to screw it up again, God. God, they don't really deserve another chance after the way they've treated you. We're all just like grass. We grow green and lush when you look on us, God, but turn your glance for just a minute and we wither up. We have no roots. They don't run deep. This word of comfort is going to be wasted on them. He's not wrong. But God has resolved to bring comfort to these voices whom he loves. Nothing will stop the word of God coming to pass, not even the fickle voices of the people. One more voice, last voice, enters the conversation. A voice on the divine council tells Isaiah to speak. Maybe the voice of God. Speak, to, to speak even though he has reservations. To speak not because of the faithfulness of the people, but because God is God and he has prepared a word for the people, whether they deserve it or, God, or not. Because God is a God of grace and God is a God of unmerited uh, favor and love for his people. Get up on that mountain, Isaiah. Get up on that mountain and use your voice. Use your voice. Bring good news to Jerusalem. Lift up your voice with a shout. Look, Jerusalem, God is come with power. His reward is your return. With his arm, he makes it happen. Yet, he tends you like a shepherd tends the flock, he gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart, gently leading them. It's the first time good news 
is mentioned in Isaiah, this word so close to gospel, this gospel good news being about announced, God is going to move in power. Yet tend his people like a shepherd tends the the flock tenderly and lovingly. The voice of God has spoken. And the will of Babylon is no match. The wheels of history are no match for the dynamic power of the voice of God that seeks and speaks comfort and release and peace for his people. Church, can you imagine the reactions of those Israelites in exile when Isaiah dared speak to them? those muffled voices. How did they respond to this proclamation of good news? Incredulity? Isaiah, Babylon's looking strong. Babylon's doing real well. How in the world do you think we're going home? What do we have to go back to, Isaiah? How do you know this, Isaiah? How can we trust you on this, Isaiah? Why do you have a word we don't have, Isaiah? Did a few respond with hope? Begin to anticipate the return? Expectancy to watch how God might accomplish this word? Sure enough, Babylon fell without a battle to Persia. New King Cyrus had this odd policy of allowing exiles to return to their homeland, homeland and serve the empire from home. And God's people got a royal escort back down the king's highway to Jerusalem. For the voice of the Lord had spoken. And once they got back to Jerusalem, after some time, they began looking ahead again to a a Messiah to come that will truly save them from their sins, deliver them from oppression once and for all. The prophets begin to announce his coming and they are made to wait and to wait and to wait for 400 years without word or update. Friends, it is in the waiting that discerning the voice of God in the midst of other clamoring voices becomes most difficult. Then we are forced to live in peace as it exists among us, and and trust that God's word is secure, that that voice we heard back in that past, sometimes distant past, holds true and holds power and is sure, even though the reality of it, even though the fulfillment of it, we struggle to see in the here and now. That God's word will come to pass, even when we see no logical way this might happen. The people in exile received this word in comfort and rescue from Isaiah, then were made to wait for it to come to pass. Wait and trust that God's word was secure. After about 400 years, 500 years from the return from exile, another voice, this first new voice, will speak not a new word, but an old. He will pick up these words from Isaiah 40 and reappropriate them in a new way. We'll begin to say, to tell God's people, make straight the paths for God to come. 
peace will enter the world. In the odd form of a little baby, Emmanuel, God with us, whispered to creation in the quietest of ways. Christ has come, friends, and peace is known in part. Christ will return and peace will be fulfilled, realized, complete. We live today in this in-between time with peace long hoped for, known in our lives, known in our world, and yet more to come. We, church, are a people in waiting. We work and we worship and we serve and we seek to be formed by the Spirit and we wait for the Spirit to work in our midst. We wait to be delivered from trials. We wait to overcome disease. We wait for grief to lessen. We wait for peace to reign. We wait for hope to be known. We wait and trust. And while we wait, our call is to be agents of peace. Peace is the theme of Advent this week. In this in-between time, we wait for Christ to return, but we seek to make his way known among us as we are able right now to cry like Isaiah, comfort to people in our sphere of influence, like Isaiah, to be a herald of good news to those who need it. And the task is to trust that the voice of God has spoken and allow this word, this voice, to shape us above all others. There is a timeless word that our God speaks and his words come to pass. Do we have the faith to trust? Do we have the patience to wait? Do we have the imagination to hope beyond the reality of present circumstances? This season, to whose voice are you listening? Let me pray for us. God, to hear, you must speak. And we know you are faithful to speak, to whisper in sounds of silence, to use friends and family as your wisdom, to speak through the revelation of your word, to speak in so many ways. God, speak to us. Help us to know how to be agents of peace in this world. Help us to know how to give witness to you in this world. Help us to know how you are guiding us. Help us to know your will for us. Help us to wait for your return. enjoyed your segment of the Trinity Baptist Church podcast with senior pastor Matt Homeyer. Join us next week for another segment. For more information about our church and to keep up to date with the latest resources, visit our website at trinitybaptist.org.